welcome to RPO Podcast, the apex of football media. We are sponsored by Inside the Hashes Network. I'm your host, Ryan Roberts. Joining me, as always, is fellow analysts Alan Hollowell and Ray Roberts. So we've been kind of going back and forth between offensive and defensive position groups for the 2019 NFL Draft Class. This week, we're talking edge defenders. That could be a 3-4 outside linebacker. That could be a 4-3 defensive end. A guy whose job it is to make offensive tackles and tight ends jobs a living nightmare, as well as guys usually that get to the quarterback. So I'm going to start right off with you, Ray. Why don't you give me a couple guys to keep an eye on, uh, a couple guys that have your attention early on. Okay, well, I have um, three of them, obviously. And the first one is a um, a big, you know, weak side defensive end out of Boston College, Zach Allen. He is definitely going to play end. He's a great point of attack guy. Not a great pass rusher, but good enough where he can pass rush from the left side and maybe move inside on third downs. Another guy is Montez Sweet from Mississippi State. A little bit of a probably a better athlete than Allen. Will be a pass rusher, you know, more of a pass rusher. Can easily play the right side to begin with. And is big enough where he can play the left side on certain downs as another situational type pass rusher. And my other one is my one of my favorite guys is Corbin Kofusi, a um, defensive end from BYU. He's a big guy, 6'9", 280, probably just played the left side to begin with. And that's my three guys. So, Ray, I have a couple questions for you. One, yeah. what defense specifically do you think each guy fits into best? I think all three of them are probably better off playing in a 4-3. Or three. Okay, you think you think even though Montez sweats a little light, you think that he won't stand up in a three-four system at all. He maybe could play in one, but I don't think. I think he'd be better off in a four-three. Okay, and as for Zach Allen, I love to mention. You know, everyone fell in love with Harold Landry the last couple of years, but Zach Allen was actually the best defensive lineman on that team last year, mostly due to Harold Landry's injuries, but. I know Zach Allen's listed at about 6'5", 285. Do you think there's any possibility he might actually be a 3-4 defensive end playing like a 5 technique at the next level? Well, he absolutely could play in a 5 technique if you wanted him to easily. Probably, like I said, a left defensive end. A guy who's really good at the point of attack, who, who is a good, pass, a good enough pass rusher to get pressure on the quarterback from either spot run. All right, Allen, why don't you give me a couple names? First off, I would have uh, Nick Boza. Probably going to be the first or second pick uh, in the 2018 NFL Draft. Nick's averaged about a sack a game this this past season. He can dip and rip around the edge so he can beat you with speed. He can also convert his speed to power so he can bull rush you. He can beat you with power and he can beat you with strength. He plays the run uh, tremendously well. Um, he's probably a 3-4 outside linebacker all day. I don't see a team putting him at the end, but they – but they could. Also, a guy to keep uh, keep your eye out on is Jonathan Ledbetter from the University of Georgia. He's a 6'4", 277-pound defensive end. They played him um, put him at D-end and outside linebacker, depending on their scheme. He flashed at times of the film that I saw. He's a bigger guy, mostly going to beat people with power. But he was highly recruited coming out of high school had been in some trouble early on in college and really didn't play much till this past season, which was his junior year. 
Um, so coming into his senior year, he was to be a guy that had flashed quite a bit as a junior that I would keep my eye on. And Alan, as far as Ledbetter, uh, for the fans that haven't maybe gotten a good look at him, he's been slightly overshadowed uh, playing with some great edge players at Georgia over his time. Mostly in their scheme, they run a 3-4 uh, base set. I've seen him a lot of lot like like we were talking about with Zach Allen as a as like a five technique three four defensive end. Do you think that he might have some position value as far as versatility that he could play at the next level? Probably looks kind of like a, a a Patriots type guy that you could play at five tech end and a three four. Um, you could play him an outside linebacker and do, you know strong side outside linebacker. I was a little bit surprised how Georgia uh, used him this year. They put him out and uh, had him in space more often than, than I probably would have. I probably would have had him up on the line rushing. Um, so he, he should have some value at the next level. So a couple guys that I highlighted, uh, Cleveland Farrell, uh, defensive end from Clemson. The two interior guys are getting a lot of, a lot of publicity in the offseason, but Cleveland Farrell is equally as disruptive, 6'5", 260. It's coming off a big redshirt sophomore year. We had 18 tackles for loss, nine and a half sacks. He's got that athletic upside. He did. He put up those numbers as a redshirt sophomore. He still has room to develop despite his his big size. One thing I love about him is he has his bend is not great off the edge, which might might scare some people away as an edge defender. But he has incredibly strong hands. He's very violent, uh, setting the edge. And then a couple other guys I want to highlight, more of the 3-4 outside linebacker uh, variety. I got Porter Gustin, uh, outside linebacker for USC. They run a 3-4. He's been that outside linebacker. Uh, he's very violent in the run game. Last year he had three sacks in the first four games and then kind of missed most of the year with, uh, with a lot of injuries. But his sophomore year before that, he had 68 tackles, 13 tackles for loss, five and a half sacks. So he had better numbers. He was really coming along as a pass rusher last year. Some people, again, lack of bends, but he's so physical and violent, and he does a great job converting speed to power that I think it won't make much of a difference. You're just probably going to put him on the left side. He's going to be a Connor Barwin type of a player. He might not put up huge sack numbers all the time, but he's going to be that guy, that the glue guy that can drop into the flat. He can set a physical edge. and then. My last guy is a sleep is a bit of a sleeper, an athletic upside guy. Josh Allen, 6'5", 252-pound outside linebacker from Kentucky. He's had 14 sacks over the last two seasons, along with 60 tackles at each of the seasons. He has a great bend. He's a great athlete with some impressive length. I just hope this year that Kentucky takes the chains off him and lets him go. Far too often he's dropping back into coverage. With that size and athleticism, though, he could be a huge riser in next year's draft. Now, our next segment of this podcast, we're going to continue our college football ultimate team. If you didn't tune in last week, we picked our offensive skill position players. Just to go over the rules again, we each, it's a snake draft. It went Allen, Ray, then myself, and then I got this first pick in the second round. So we're going to stick with the same order. So, Alan, you are going to be on the clock when we start. Just to sum up Alan while he's going through his notes, quarterback, he has Tua from Alabama. Running back is Bryce Love. We have tight end Matt Sokol from Michigan State. H-back is Caden Smith from Stanford. 
And then he has Debo Samuel as his deep threat at wideout from South Carolina. And Caleb Wilson, kind of a hybrid tight end wide receiver that he's going to split out wide. He's from UCLA. He was putting up some great numbers before the before his injury uh, with Josh Rosen last year. So, Alan, I'm going to open it up for you. Offensive line draft, you are on the clock. All right, I'm going to uh, I'm going to start with left tackle. Take take care of. Uh which would be my quarterback's blind side, except I have a lefty. But I want to take care of that edge. Um, I want a good pass protector, but someone that has enough lead in their ass um, to be a good run blocker as well. And I'm going to go down to Mississippi and take Greg Little from Ole Miss mm-hmm. University. He's a 6'6", 325-pound left tackle. He has, uh, he has good feet, and he is an elite pass protector, good bend. Uh, plays plays hard, really no off-the-field concerns as of right now, and, and should be a top five, uh, probably top ten pick as, uh, at worst in this year's upcoming draft. Okay. Alan, any thoughts of putting him at right tackle with the left-handed quarterback? Once I got to open my mouth, I sure thought about it. I would, I would probably put him on the, on the right side. In this, you know, in this fantasy, in this fantasy world, he pro- may need to stay at left, depending on, you know how his stance, and if he could, if he could get his muscle memory right with his pass sets. So Ray, Allen picks Greg Little off the board. You are on the clock. Okay. Well, I need guys that are athletic. I mean, of course, I draw offensive line. I need them to have size too. But with my scheme, I'm gonna, I'm gonna need guys that are a little bit more athletic. So my first pick will be Jonah Williams from Alabama. Jonah Williams. Okay. Well, Jonah has spent some time at right and left tackle. Where are you putting him at? I would probably put him at, at left tackle for right now, depending on who my next tackle is or whatever I pick. But I'll probably leave him at left tackle for right now. I assume that Jonah Williams is a pretty good cut blocker if he's going to play in your scheme. Yeah, but that's, again, I need him to be not necessarily the biggest or the strongest guys, but I need him to be agile and able to cut block and keep their feet, you know? Yes. So that means I get back to back here. Last pick of the first, first pick of the second. So I'm going to get my bookends right now, both my tackles. So to begin, my left tackle is going to be Trey Adams, offensive tackle from the University of Washington. He's six foot eight, 327 pounds. It's going to look great at that left tackle spot. He was probably a guy that would have came out last year into the draft, if not for the injury but he's going to look good on my ultimate team here. And his partner in crime at the right tackle position is going to be David Edwards, who has played right tackle for for Wisconsin. There was talk about him playing left tackle last season for Wisconsin, but like I I was just asking Alan, he has a left-handed quarterback in Alex Hornerbrook there, so they kept him at the right side. So he's 6'7", 319 pounds. He's actually a former tight end recruit who's just kept getting bigger and bigger. So that is Trey Adams at left, David Edwards at right, and Ray, you are back on the clock. Okay, well, for my second pick, I want to go with another offensive tackle, and this time I'm going to take Andre Dillard from Washington State. Again, he could play either side, but I'll probably play him at right tackle. He's probably a little bit of a better pass blocker than Jonah Williams. 
Yep, strange, strange pick. Uh, I mean, I, I like Andre Dillard. He's used to a Washington Washington State team where they pass the ball probably about 80% of the time. Does that worry you at all, or you think he's athletic enough to fit the scheme? No, I know he's athletic enough to fit the scheme. Like I said, I know he's a, he's a really good pass blocker, and and he's also a good run blocker and get it out to the second level and you know take more second-level blockers. Okay, Alan, that means that you now have back-to-back for your offensive line. I'm going to go inside. A guy that could play tackle or guard who has been playing guard last year. He was the number one recruit um, in the nation last year coming out of high school. He's about 40 minutes away from where I live now. I'm going to go to good old Rocky Top University of Tennessee and select Trey Smith. He He is about as nasty as they get inside, which is uh, has been a little bit of a shock because he came from a privileged, uh, privileged private school. And watching him in high school, he did not have that type of nastiness that he that he showed last year in the SEC. Alan, I love the pick. He was actually almost my, my other offensive line pick with my back to back. I just wanted, I just valued my tackle position over, and I I know that Trey Smith definitely has the athletic upside to play a tackle spot. But obviously, he played mostly right guard last season. So my question for you is, is he a right tackle or is he an offensive guard for you? Uh, I'm going to leave him at, at with my heavy run attack. I'm going to leave him at right guard. Um, there's some other good tackles that I, can, that I believe I can go out and get. But he's going to be my mauler inside. Okay. So that was your first back-to-back. So you have one more here. Yeah, I'm going to go and, and select myself a right tackle. Um, I'm going to go to Notre Dame. They've been putting out offensive linemen first rounders about every year to every other year. This guy played right tackle for them last year. They're really good job um, held down that side of the line. It's going to be a bookend. I'll take Alex Bars from the University of Notre Dame. Okay. So you value Alex Bars at tackle. It's funny. He's actually played multiple spots in the offensive line. I've seen it firsthand. He's actually playing left guard this year. Um, does that, do you think his athletic potential, I mean, we're done with the draft segment, but do you think he's a tackle or do you think he's a guard at the next level from what you've seen? Uh, there's, he, he was viewed in both. He's probably a right tackle if he does, you know, if he is in the league. Some people viewed him as a guard. I'm looking mm-hmm. at him, he's 6'6 to 6'7. Um, he's mm-hmm. played, some, played some right tackle. He's a guy I felt, I felt more comfortable then than some of the other offensive linemen that were still available. Um, -hmm. he's going to be physical yet have pretty good technique, not get my quarterback killed because I've got to have an athletic guy over there. Um, because I have a lefty quarterback. Mm -hmm. Well, I think Dallas Barnes can definitely continue to the tradition that Notre Dame has going with these offensive linemen with that though, Ray, you are on the clock. Okay. Well, um, with my next pick, I'm just going to go right move closer inside and and pick myself a, um, a guard. And I'm going to take Ross. That's a tough name for me. Pierce Shackbacker Pierce from Bacher. Alabama. Sure. Pierce Bacher. Okay, from Alabama. Ross Pierce Bacher. He's a guy that's kind of moved around for Alabama. I know they, they experimented with him at center. I don't know if they're actually going to do that this year or not, but he's definitely a good, solid guard. Now, okay. in your system, it's probably – not too much of a difference, but do you have a preference whether to put him at left guard or right guard? I would probably play him at right guard because I think he's played on the right side a little bit more. 
I've seen him more on the right side, so I probably can fit right card. All right, so Raj Piercebacher. So that is going to put me on the clock with back-to-back. To sum up what I've done so far, I have I have Mr. David Edwards at right tackle from Wisconsin, and I have Trey Adams, the left tackle from Washington, as my bookend left tackle. So I'm going to move inside, obviously, and I am going to actually do my guard position next. So I am – actually, I just changed my mind. Center is the spot I'm going. I'm going to go with Dalton Risner. He is an offensive lineman from Kansas State. He actually lines up mostly as left tackle, but in NFL draft circles, he's being viewed as an inside player. Dalton Risner, 6'5", 300 pounds, is going to be my center. I have back-to-back picks. So, for one of my guard spots, I am going to take Michael Dieter, who has played left tackle for Wisconsin. But I am going to move him in the guard. I think that he can be a great fit at the left guard spot, 6'6", 321. He's played left tackle, so he's comfortable on that side. And I think he's a big physical guy who can get it done in the run and pass game. So that means Michael Dieter is my left guard. And, Ray, you are back on the clock. For next pick, I'm going to take another offensive guard, Evan Plague from Tulsa. Again, good run blocker. Um, all my guys are like guys that I think play with a little bit of an edge, you know, a little, little bit of a nasty streak to them. So, and they have to be solid athletes, but they also have to be um, not too lanky because I need them to cut block a, a good bit. So, okay, I actually haven't seen Evan Plague play much. Um, what, what kind of size does he have? He's like six six three, two ninety, two ninety two, two ninety five, between six nine, two ninety two ninety five. Okay. All right, so Alan, you're on the clock. Just to re- just to sum up what Alan's done so far, he's got Greg Little at his left tackle spot. He's got right guard is Trey Smith, Alex Bars from Notre Dame at right tackle. So he has back-to-back picks here. So he's looking for a left guard and a center to complete his offensive line. All right, I'm going to go to the University of Wisconsin and get myself a center. This guy started every game as a true freshman last year. I'm going to go get Tyler. <laughs> By Dez um, for the University of Wisconsin. Uh, strong was pretty strong for being a freshman at the point of contact. Not gonna not gonna be uh, not gonna be bore us back into back into my quarterback. Um, smart kid should be able to hold down the middle very well. I believe that is now four. Is that four offensive? No, that's three offensive linemen from Wisconsin drafted so far. So that's telling you kind of a running theme on how Wisconsin's done putting out offensive linemen. Allen, your last pick for your left guard spot is going to be? Um, well, I'm thinking Lester Cotton from the University of Alabama, but you know what? A lot of the University of Alabama offensive linemen have not gotten it done at the next level. So I'm going to go down to Stan- go over to Stanford University and select another guy who was a freshman last year that started, highly talented recruit. Walker Little from Stanford mm. University. They run. They have a heavy run scheme there. He's a big guard, um, a lot of thump in his ass, and should be able to uh, help uh, Greg Little on the left side move some people around. All right. That means that Allen's offensive line, offensive line group is completed with Greg Little and Walker Little 
on his left side. Tyler Bedez from Wisconsin at center. Trey Smith at right guard from Tennessee. And Alex Bars from Notre Dame. Ray, this will be your last pick. Who's your center? My center is going to be um, a guy that actually has played a little bit of guard, but I'm going to put him at center for you know, full time, and that would be Darrell Williams from Mississippi State. Okay, tell me something about Darrell Williams. Why do you like him? Well, he's 6'2", 305, was a team captain. He's, um, you know, again, a guy who plays with a little bit of an edge and a good athlete. Again, good size, 6'2", 305, not extremely lanky, though. So, you know, I need it. Like, again, I need guys that can cut block and get out to the next level and block guys, down, you know, and the linebackers downfield. So, all right. So, for Ray's triple option offense, he has Jonah Williams, offensive tackle from Alabama. At right tackle, he's got Andre Dillard. He's got right guard Ross Piercebacher from Alabama. Evan played from Tulsa at left guard and Daryl Williams, center from Mississippi State. So that means that I have the lone pick left. I have a, I have a need at right guard, and I'm going with Bo Bishanawo, offensive guard from Wisconsin. I apologize to Bo if I just butchered his name terribly. But that means that I have three offensive linemen on my starting offensive line that are from the University of Wisconsin. I have Trey Adams, who is from Washington at left tackle. Then I got Dieter at left guard from Wisconsin. I got Bo Bechanel, uh, right guard from Wisconsin. And I got David Edwards, right tackle from Wisconsin, along with Dalton Risner, the converted left tackle from Kansas State as my center. So, Alan, I know that Greg Little was, was a big-time recruit, but what sets him apart as a left tackle spot? Because there are some guys that we went through that are tremendous college left tackles. What made Greg Little the first pick in this in this draft? Well, there's two offensive tackles or two guys that play left tackle that have top ten potential right now, and that's Greg Little and you selected Trey Adams was the second one. Trey Adams has has dealt with a lot of injuries at the University of Washington so far, and, and usually with linemen, they're either injury injury prone or they're not. And Greg Little has not been. Um, he has elite feet and pass protection skills. I just felt more comfortable that I was going to get get more plays out of Greg Little than I was going to out of Trey Adams. All right, and Ray, looking over your team, uh, again, Jonah Williams, Evan Plague, Darrell Williams, Ross Piercebacher, Andre Dillard. Which one of those players do you consider your stalwart? Obviously, Jonah Williams was your first pick, but which one do you think you're going to lean on most in your hev- heavy run-based scheme? Honestly, my guards, my interior guards. I'm going to lead on Plague and on Roshbacher because they're the guys that are going to get out and, and make things happen early in my offense. The only reason I took the tackles early is because I assumed tackles would go early. Yeah, yeah, there's definitely a run on them early. Obviously, that's the hot, that's the, the sexy pick is the left tackles. So I, I also thought that they would go pretty early. That's why I kind of went back-to-back with my tackles. I kind of look for guys that when I read something about them, they kind of said that, you know, they, they play with a little bit of an attitude. All right, Alan, did you have any questions for anyone? Yeah, yeah Ryan. Um, Trey Adams, did his injuries concerns um, not scare you away? And obviously they didn't. Why not? Well, Trey, he's been a pretty durable player besides for the injury this year. I I just – it's it's the size that really – because I'm running the gap power run scheme. 
a lot of power read. So I wanted a guy that's a physical presence at 6'8", 327 pounds. That's exactly what I'm getting out of Trey Adams. I think he has potential to maybe be the first offensive tackle off the board if we're talking NFL draft-wise. So I just I couldn't pass him up, especially after you drafted Greg Little. He was the only other guy that I kind of had at the top with the at the left tackle spot. So that was the guy that I needed to go. So with that, we have one more segment. Before we do that, all fans, make sure to follow us on Twitter at Inside the Hashes. You can also find us at Instagram at Inside the Hashes. Inside the Hashes Sports Talk, also on Facebook. If you're a nerd like us, love to talk some football, join the group. I'll approve you in, and we can talk some football. But with that, our last segment of the night, we're talking overrated coaches. So if you were with us a couple episodes ago, it was a heavy coach segment where we talked about the best of the best, guys that would make it to the next level eventually. So we're looking at some overrated guys. We're going to talk about guys that maybe get a spotlight that we don't think that they deserve. So for this one, Alan, let's start with you. Give me a couple guys, as many guys as you want to give me, uh, some coaches that you don't think that quite deserve the hype they get. Uh, well, if you look at the SEC um, and the Big Ten as well, they're both loaded with with big time coaches, and there's a lot of there's quite a few top ten programs in those two conferences. And I look at one of those coaches that just stands out like a sore thumb, and that would be Ed Orgeron. And I think to myself, is Ed Orgeron an offensive guru? No, he's not. Uh, is he a def- strong defensive minded coach? No, not not really. Um, he is a good recruiter, but Quite honestly, LSU sells itself. All right, kids aren't going to leave the state of Louisiana and go anywhere else. He doesn't like change. He had a uh, nice up-and-coming offensive coordinator named Matt Canada. Um, He fired him after one season. All right, so he's he's wanting to go back to the the two tight end, one fullback running the football, and and it didn't work. Didn't work in the past. Why would it work now? Um, His record at Ole Miss, he was. He had a 10 and 25 record, so he had he averaged a little under three wins a season, two wins, uh, wow. which is terrible. And right now he's 15 and six at LSU, so he has a 700 winning percentage, which is 70 games a season, which is really not up to uh, LSU standards. That's a top 10 program in the nation, and and they fired Les Miles, who averaged not nine wins a season. Um, or about eight and a half at LSU before, so seven does not get it done. Um, he's also making just under $4 million a year. Um, quite honestly, I don't think he's earning it. Next guy I'm going to look at is a little bit of a smaller school. His name's Brad Lambert. He's the head coach at the University of Charlotte. He has a record of 17 wins and 41 losses, and he is entering his seventh season. Um, he was never a head coach before taking this job, and um, you know he's, he's he's averaging you know a couple couple wins a season. And last year at the at the basketball game, they were chanting fire the AD with some of the things that were going on at Charlotte basketball program and football program. They have absolutely no momentum whatsoever going in their football program. you got to wonder how Brad Lambert's making close to a million dollars a year there. So, Alan, for I'm a little uh, limited on my Ed Orgeron history. How, where did he I, – I know, obviously, he was all, all miss. Is he, but specifically, is he a defensive or an offensive coach? He's a defensive line coach. 
Um, Defensive that, line coach. Yeah, that really got known for his recruiting um, when he was at uh, USC with Pete Carroll. Mm-hmm. And and do you think that he's ever going to get his voice back? <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard a person that sounds like they, they just ate a whole jar of peanut butter like that consistently every day of their life. He is 100% Cajun, so. <laughs> Makes a lot of sense then. <laughs> All right, so a couple guys I had. Uh, Dana Holgerson from West Virginia. 53 and 37 in seven years as a head coach. I think this is a big make or break year for him with the talent he has coming back. He's got Will Greer, uh, one of the couple dynamic wide receivers in Jennings and David Sills. Uh, he's only two and four in bowl games at West Virginia. He's he's got a heavy offensive coordinator background. He's been at Texas Tech, Houston, Oklahoma State with a run and shoot. And but if I mean, and he's had two 10-win seasons at West Virginia, but he, I think that this is the season that defines him because if you take those two seasons away from him, he's 33-31 and 31 at West Virginia. He's not been a consistent winning coach. And the other guy I want to highlight, and maybe some of you, maybe you guys want to give me your feedback on him, but I, I'm just a little lost in why he keeps getting these high-profile jobs, but it's Willie Taggart. Uh, he's got a losing record at Every school he's been to besides the one year at Oregon, Western Kentucky went 16 and 20. Best season was a seven and five, but yet he got a job at South Florida and he did a pretty good job at South Florida late in, late in his tenure, but still 24 and 25 at South Florida. And now he gets the big time job after one year at Oregon at Florida state. So Ray Allen, it's open to whoever wants to, to put their two cents in. Why is Willie Tiger getting these high profile jobs with losing records everywhere he goes? He's a good self-promoter, um, and that's kind of what a lot of these coaches are. Um, they're good self-promoters. They bring a lot of hype with them, and their agents are uh, very powerful. Um, the ADs do a lot with the agents, these coaching agents, and uh, they go a lot by their word. I think that some of it is because, like, recruiting is important, and he had a, another guy had a reputation as a good recruiter. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm just a little lost in it because, like I said, Oregon is his only school that he's been at as a head coach where he's had an above 500 record, and he only went 7-5 and five his first year at Oregon. I understand there were some injuries with Justin Herbert last year, but I, I'm just a little lost how, how he could be the guy that takes over for Jimbo Fisher at such a high-profile job at Florida State. But, Ray, let me hear a couple guys that you have that you want to talk about, overrated coaches. Well, I mean, I have two guys from for pretty big programs. I have Will Muschamp from South Carolina. Again, I think he's a good coach, but I think he is a guy who gets by mostly on reputation as a defensive guru because of the guys he's coached with. You know, mm-hmm. coaching with Nick Saban, you know, and Steve Spurrier, you know, Florida and all that. So I think he's just another guy who has, gets by mostly on reputation. I mean, he won nine games this year. But he's another one, like you said, about your other, your other coach you were talking about, right? I think this is a make-or-break season for him. I think if he wins nine or ten games and goes to a bowl game, we'll be okay. If not, then people will maybe start to turn on him a little bit. And my second guy is, this is going to kill some people, is Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. I think Jim Harbaugh is a really, really good coach. And I think that Michigan is a really big program. But I don't think he can control things like he, like he, like he wishes he could. 
And he's a good recruiter, obviously. People like talking to him. He loves football. You can tell that when you when you see him. But I think he he doesn't recruit better than um, Urban Meyer does in Ohio State, and that's always going to be a crawl with him. You know, it's going to stick with him. It's not going to let him you know do what he really thought he would be able to do with this year. I mean, there's a reason why he's 0-3 against Ohio State. Mm-hmm. And, again, I'll open to either one of you, which I want to hear from both of you. So my question for you about Jim Harbaugh, Two and a half years, over, under, how much longer is he at Michigan? Two and a half. Alan, what do you think? Under. Most, under. Probably the, one of the most overrated top-level coaches uh, in football. You look at that 49er squad, there wasn't – I don't know if there's been a better NFL team with more talent on it, um, and he didn't win the Super Bowl with them. Mm-hmm. Ray, what do you think? Over, under, two I and a half. Think, I I agree with Alan. I think it will be under two years. Um, but I don't think that he's a horrible coach. I just think that, again, in the NFL, he can kind of control what the players do a little bit better than he can in college. I know it doesn't sound normal, but it is. It's, when you think about you, you have to be able to recruit in college to get the great players. In the NFL, he's going to need good players, but he's a quarterback guy. And he's a smart offensive coach. I think in the NFL, where you can get in the jumping guys' faces a little bit more, that maybe you um, maybe he's just more made for the NFL. Well, that'll conclude this episode of RPO Podcast. I want to thank everyone for joining us, and please make sure to join us next week, where we continue to dig into the 2019 NFL Draft class, as well as continue our Ultimate Team Draft. Next week, moving to the defensive side of the football. I know I'm pumped. I know the rest of the guys are. So don't forget to follow us on Twitter at InsideHashes and on Instagram at InsideTheHashes. Facebook's always an option. Inside the Hashes Sports Talk. Come talk with us. We love to hear from the fans. Have a great night. Mm-hmm.